Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks from Everything Co-op. You know, welcome this morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful Thursday morning, and we have two wonderful people in the studio with us this morning, Mr. Gabe Snow and Laura Vogel from the National Rural Electric Cooperatives. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Great. Okay, glad you're in here this morning. And we're going to talk about voting and this whole season the presidential elections and the House and the Senate, and then you have on down to city councils and mayors, and all of them are extremely important. And so we're going to talk about voting today. But first, can we talk about the National Rural Electric Cooperative? What is the National Rural Electric Cooperative? Absolutely. So the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association is a trade association that represents the 900 plus electric cooperatives across the country. We are actually in 47 of the 50 states in the United States, and our members represent over 42 million cooperative consumers who take electricity from the electric cooperatives across the country. So 42 million people, households, you serve. I've had on the show Martin Lowry, who's your vice president, is a wonderful human being, and he's been on a couple times, and I've heard him say things like 80% of the land mass is what your grid, or 75%, 80%. Is that right? That's correct, 75% of the land mass. And um, we do only serve about 13% of U.S. electric customers around the country. However, because of the locations of many of our cooperatives, we do end up stretching through about 75% of the land mass. Um, in about 80% of counties around the United States. What does that mean, 80% of the counties? So at last look, it looks like we have 2,500 of the 3,100-plus counties in the United States are served in some way by an electric cooperative. Why don't people know about it then? There's so many. Let me get it straight. 840 co-ops, that's people, that's companies that provide electricity, Okay. And out of that 840, you got households, 42 million. And that covers 75% of the land mass of the U.S. You're in 47 states. Huge. Okay, why don't people know about electrical rural core? Well, actually, Vernon, I think where we are strong in many of our states, in the 47 states out there, we have a very large presence. And so if you ask a state legislator in Texas or Indiana or uh, a state uh, where we have a very heavy electric co-op presence, then you would certainly get a response of they know who their electric co-ops are, they're aware of them, um, they're very visible in those states. So you know, where we are located here in the Washington, D.C. area, the electric co-ops 
are not as established, but certainly out in parts of America where we have a, a large presence, then people are very aware of the electric co-ops um, in their communities and the good works that they do in their communities. When I was in Prince George's County, I lived there for a while. I'm in D.C. right now, but there's Simcoe, S-M-E-C-O, Southern, Southern Maryland, yes, sir. So there is, in Southern Maryland, Electric Rural Co-op, and in Fairfax, That's Electric right. Rural Co-op. Northern Virginia Electric Cooperative, yes. So I consider those now not rural. There's nothing rural about Fairfax or Prince George's County. It's, it seems like now the suburbs have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and they've gone out into the rural. And so not only do the National Rural Electric Co-ops work for and satisfy rural farmlands, if you will, but it also suburbs. Yeah, that's that's happening more and more around the country. And I think that part of the issue we have there then is educating those folks who are now in those service territories to understand what a cooperative is. Um, and so you do then realize that sometimes there is a bit of education that is involved in what a cooperative is and, and how um, cooperatives are different within their communities. So let me t- talk about what a cooperative is real quickly. Um, because when I was living in Prince George's County, I did not know I was getting my electricity from a cooperative. And when I was in a credit union, I did not know it was a co-op for a long time. So a co-op for everyone out there, particularly if you haven't listened to this show before, is any business that you can think of could be a co-op. If it's owned and controlled by the employees, it's called a worker co-op. If it's owned and controlled by the people who uses the products or services, it's called a consumer co-op. So these electric co-ops are owned by the consumers? That's correct. So those 42 million households own these 840 businesses. So it's a consumer cooperative. Yeah, that's our business model is is consumer cooperatives out there. And so each of our 840 distribution electric cooperatives across the country has a governing board that is elected locally there in the communities where they serve. So um, those they're tied directly to the communities, and they have that that presence there and that governance there at the local level. You know, you just hit upon one of the critical pieces of what a co-op is, and then I said it's owned and controlled. So it's a volunteer and open membership, so anybody can come in. That's the first reason I like co-ops. That's the first principle. The second one is Democratic member control, and that Democratic member control is normally one member, one vote. So all those 42 million households, they all have a vote into their particular co-op, 840 of them. And they normally vote for a board of directors and in housing co-ops. And this is how I found out about co-ops. I do property management as my daytime job, and I have a couple master's degrees. All of my formal education, I heard nothing about co-ops even with an MBA, nothing about co-ops. And I got my MBA from Stanford. And the reason I bring that up is because Leland Stanford, who started Stanford, was a senator, and he put in laws in the Senate, U.S. Senate, way back when for worker co-ops. Somehow he got enlightened about this, but it never it never happened. So I got to understand co-ops by managing housing co-ops, which is another form of consumer co-ops. I've been in credit unions and did not know I would get these things that say vote for whoever, but I'd never paid any attention to them earlier on. I do now. And you vote for the board of directors, and each member can run. You have an option to run for being on a board, which makes the decisions. Okay, so here we got rural electric co-ops. We've got 
42 million people in rural electric co-ops, which could be the suburbs like Southern Maryland, and you got 840 businesses. And what I also found interesting is the counties that we just talked about. Laura just talked about 2,500 counties, and where there's only 3,141 counties in the U.S. So that that's 80 percent of U.S. counties the National Rural Electric Co-ops is involved with. That's a massive coverage. All of this land, all of these counties, all of these people. Yeah, one of the things that we get really excited about and passionate about is the fact that we have that reach across the across the country. I mean, 42 million people is, is a significant amount of the population in, in this country. And then you look at that, you know, where we are, where we're located. I mean, you can hardly name a part of the country where they're not served by electric cooperatives or in and around there there's going to be electric cooperatives. So that gives us a lot of, of excitement because we have the ability to work with and cooperate with all these groups across the country. And it, from a national association perspective, it really gives us a lot of, of excitement to be able to have that many members and have that uh, type of reach across the country. That's a lot of responsibility, too. You can reach all of those people with a message. Now, I want to talk about the fifth principle of co-ops real quickly. The fifth principle is education, training, and information. And that was the second reason I began to love co-ops. I've, I've 12 years of my life I've taught, so that's the other part is either in business or teaching is what I've done. And to say you're in an organization where one of its main principles is to make sure that you're teaching the members and the community. And you've already talked about that. And that's the massive. So you teach so that when people are in the co-op, they can make informed decisions. Okay. And so it sounds like that's what you're doing now within the National Rural Electric Co-op is getting people the information they need to make informed decisions. So you've created created something called Co-op's Vote. What is that? So Co-op's Vote is our national voter education and engagement campaign. And this is a program that allows all of our electric cooperatives across the country to engage with their membership at that consumer level on the upcoming elections. You started the program talking about the upcoming elections. And when we looked at it coming into this calendar year and said, we want to have a program that we can provide to our membership that gives them the vehicle to engage in the political process in a nonpartisan way and gives an information campaign, a voter awareness campaign. We've done voter registration with it. We've done a number of informational sessions with it that just raises the awareness of the upcoming elections, whether it be at the presidential level, the state level, or the local level. I think also, if I may, um, co-op's vote is is a way to um, reach those rural folks um, who maybe haven't turned out to an election in the past. Um, We found that in 2012 that rural voting was down 18%. And we are hoping by utilizing co-op's vote to reverse that trend and see representation throughout rural America in communicating with their elected officials. Well, Gabe and Laura, we have to take our first first break to get the news, the weather, and um, perhaps the weather. But listen, I'm enjoying this conversation with Gabe and Laura this morning about National Rural Electric Cooperatives 
and we're getting into this co-op vote to make sure that we can get people to more people out to vote, which is what happens in cooperatives. But we'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. Fourteen fifty WOL. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks with Everything.coop. You know, this program is brought to you by the National Cooperative Bank, NCB. And the reason that they are sponsoring this program is to give you more information about co-ops, the benefits of co-ops, where you can find co-ops. And right now we've been talking about the National Rural Electric Cooperative, and they've launched a program to try to get the Rural Electric Cooperative and anybody else, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, to be able to go online to vote.coop, V-O-T-E dot C-O-O-P, where you could register to vote and find out and get information about who's running in your particular state or your county or wherever you might be to see if you're registered. And we're going to talk more about that today because it's extremely exciting to try to get more people out there to vote. I mean, what would it be like if we had 80% of the population, that's 80% of like 320 million people to get out and vote. And I think it runs above 50% now. They have 42 million people in rural electric co-ops or 42 million households, 840 cooperatives or distributed co-ops. They serve uh, 42 million people, 47 states, 12% of the nation's meters, and about 75% of the land mass and 80% of the counties. A lot of people, a lot of space, uh, that they cover, and now we want to get people out to vote. They don't care necessarily if you vote for uh, Donald or for Hillary or for whomever is running in your House races or Senate races, but you just want you to get out and vote and be informed, make an informed decision. So how did you guys decide to do this? So I think um, back to what I mentioned earlier with this startling trend of of voter decline in in rural areas, it was twice the national average in 2012. So let me just make sure I understand. I'm sorry, Laura. But in 2008 to 2012, 9% less people voted in the U.S., but 18% less in rural America. That's correct. I wonder if that's... Because of the political, the presidential election, because I know more people vote in the presidential than the four-year as opposed to the two-year. Okay. And I, I think, sadly, it's a lot of people just think that their vote doesn't matter. And so one of the most basic things that we need to um, educate people on is the fact that their vote does matter. And we can point to a number of elections uh, around the country where um, people have won by a matter of, of a handful of votes. And so just that basic educational piece that your vote does matter, and especially in rural parts of the country where uh, you do have an opportunity to engage with your elected officials probably more than you would in in a big city, and letting those elected officials know or those candidates know that you're watching what they're doing and you care about issues that affect rural America and you're going to vote for the people who you think best describe rural America. What's also interesting is, when people go out and vote, the candidates then will listen to them. They'll have a voice. So if you say it doesn't matter because, you know, my one vote over 320 million people, it doesn't make that much difference. 
But yeah, as groups of people, like right now, you know that Donald Trump is trying to get the African-American vote and the Hispanic vote and the women's vote. So he's trying to get that vote. But I would like to see one day where people are saying, can we get the co-op vote? Mm-hmm. Okay, so where it's not known yet. Co-op voters are not known. But as we're having this conversation and we'll have more conversations, try to get people off to vote and know that they're co-op members, then maybe we'll get the candidates to also say, what are the co-ops needs? I think we're at the the very uh, tip of that iceberg. We had a a, um, state association in Kansas that um, utilized co-ops vote as a way to engage with elected officials and candidates for their upcoming elections. Uh, And they were able to engage with uh, over 200 candidates for uh, their their House races and informing them that co-ops are going to show up to the polls on election day. And I think that's just one great example of, of how uh, our membership is starting to let elected officials know that we are co-ops and that we do care. I also did a little research last night in general, um, all kinds of cooperatives, whether it's a food co-op or a worker co-op or credit unions, they have over 130 million people that are members of some kind of cooperative. And if, if we all came together and, and voted, that would make a, a pretty large uh, impact. It's a little bit better than one-third of the population. Where 42 million is about 13%. That's what you have in National Rural Electric. That's households, too. That might be, it could have twice as many voters in, that, in those households. So you could have 84 million people, which would be 26% of the population. But we have a huge reach. 130 million people are in different forms of co-ops. And I talked about worker cooperatives and consumer co-ops. And the consumer co-ops, you have the housing co-ops, credit unions, rural electric. Have I missed any other bigger ones? That's where people buy, oh, grocery, uh, grocery, I said said grocery food co-ops. And then there's the other two sides of the coin is that you have purchasing co-ops and marketing co-ops. And you normally find those in farmers or artists where groups of people will come together, groups of farmers, and they will buy whatever products they need, like in farmer's seed or fertilizer or gasoline or even equipment. They'll buy it together to get a better quality and lower price. And then they do the farming and produce whatever, and then they end up with a marketing co-op that helps to sell it, like Cabot Creamery, uh, different organizations that come together and add value to those products and then sell them to more markets and hopefully get a better price. And a farmer or an artist cannot do it all. They can't do the producing, do the purchasing, and do the marketing, so they get some people to help them in the form of co-ops. And so it works much better. So this is co-ops, 130 million people. So if we can get those as one voice, whether Democratic or Republican or whatever, is that people will know and I was at a meeting in New York in 2011, and a councilwoman came by and said she knows she has to get the co-op vote. And that was the first time I heard that because of the housing co-ops in New York. There's a lot of people in co-op and, and uh, grocery stores and so forth. So how did this happen within the National Rural Electric? It seemed like I've been on your website, vote.coop. I signed up. I made sure I was registered. I'm in D.C., so I looked at D.C. and who was voting. I found that very, very interesting. We didn't have as many people. I also looked at the Maryland one. There's a lot of people in that one. How did you all decide to do this? It's wonderful. It's exciting. Well, I think we really saw an opportunity with the upcoming election to 
provide a service to our membership to come out and put together a comprehensive program where people can go to a one-stop shop website, www.vote.coop, and learn about the candidates, as you described there, Vernon. Once you've put in your information, it's customized down to your individual candidates. So whether you're in Maryland, as you described, or in Texas, or in Alabama, once you put in your zip code, it will find the candidates at the national level. Uh, we're all familiar with them, but also at the state level, which is, it's not only going to provide just that national outlook. It's down to those state representatives and state senators who are running for office, the candidates that are there, um, links out to their website so you can become an informed voter and make a, a informed decision on Election Day. Informed decision, informed voter, and it looks like you can. There's a lot of information. You, you don't have to do a whole lot of research. It's a lot of information right there at your fingertips, uh, so you can get informed. And maybe by getting that information, it would cause you to go do more research, and definitely go vote. It seemed like when I look at the web page, it was a lot of work to get that up and get it to function. And so I assume it took money and it took somebody with vision and somebody to stick to it to get that even up and working. Yeah, I think it was part of a, a team effort for sure. When we decided that we wanted to pursue this effort, uh, we got a, a large group of people together, but we also have um, folks who are very experienced in technology and web design and were able to help us build that website. Um, and we also have a vendor that provides all of the voter data and voter information. I was thinking you guys were doing that. That's a lot of work. <laughs> To get all of that information for every state, you can see who is running for presidential, who's running for the state house and senate, and or the U.S. House and Senate, state house and senate, or governors or board of directors. So it's all the way, all the way down the line. It's wonderful. I've never seen anything like it. I'm even. I lived in Indiana to try to figure out who all was in my district, and so forth. It's great. All right, same thing in Maryland. Yeah, we're very happy with it. So thank you, Vernon. Okay, how did you guys get involved in co-ops? I might let Gabe take that one. How did we get involved individually? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I started working for the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association nine years ago, and I actually knew some people who worked there and always thought that organization has a lot going for it. And when a job became available, I pursued it and really thought, the mission that they have working with the with their member cooperatives who are tied down to those uh, members at the end of the line really appealed to me. And in the nine years I've been working for NRECA, it's really been a wonderful experience going and visiting the communities where our co-ops serve. And anytime you walk into one of those communities, you always get the praise of the cooperative that serves there. The, they really do have a wonderful reputation in the communities that that they serve excellent and you know we want to take our second break right now um thank you guys very much for coming in this morning and for sharing all of this great information we're going to talk more about vote.coop in the next two segments and we'll be right back please don't touch that dial 1450 wol 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Everything.coop is what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about cooperatives. The National Cooperative Bank uh, is the sponsor of this program. NCB's mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their communities, placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. And more often than not, rural communities are economically challenged. And um, particularly, I found out in the Appalachia, and that's where I'm from, but you get a lot of poverty, and NCB has a tremendous mission, and so does the National Rural Electric Cooperative, of providing power to these rural communities. And in the studio this morning, we have Gabe and Laura, who are talking to us about voters and voters getting out and getting informed and the project they have is co-ops vote and what we were talking about gabe was telling us how he got involved in the national rural electric and i would like laura to answer that same question as laura how did you get involved with co-ops and the national rural electric Corp? so i've had a, a much shorter tenure than gabe at this point in time i've been with um, nreca for just over two years now and i was extremely intrigued by the way that the the members are involved within the co- each individual cooperative. And, and one of the things that really strikes me is the opportunity to educate our membership on uh, what a cooperative is. And newer members of NRECA don't necessarily understand where their power is coming from or that they're a member of something larger and important. And just having an, an opportunity to interact with the membership and be out in those rural areas and learn what kind of issues are affecting them has been extremely powerful for me. And, and it was a, a no-brainer to to come to an organization like this and, and be able to do something that matters. Something that matters. And did you know about co-ops before National Rural Electric Co-ops? I did. Admittedly, though, it was more for REI. And you mentioned um, the cheeses earlier. Um, so I, what is REI for this? So REI is a um, sporting goods organization. Yeah. They're a cooperative. My dad's a member. I grew up shopping at REI and, and knew what what it was, so I knew that it was a, a member-owned business. Okay. And how did you get involved? Uh, did you know about it, well, Gay, before? Yeah, so I grew up in rural Oklahoma, and we were served You got by, people in Oklahoma? <laughs> still, Oklahoma. still a couple million. <laughs> okay. And the community I lived in was served by People's Electric Cooperative in in Oklahoma. My older brother actually worked for PEC, as they're called, when he was in college, uh, for, did a short stint there. So I was aware of the electric cooperatives. Can't say that I understood fully the difference between electric cooperative and, at the time in, in Oklahoma, it was OG&E, who was the investor-owned utility, um, until I went to work for the industry and, and really became informed about the difference in the cooperative business model and and the difference that that makes. But I certainly was aware of electric cooperatives and who they were throughout my childhood and throughout college. Well, I, I really envy you guys because, again, I didn't learn about co-ops until 20 years ago, and that was long after college and did not hear about them in, co- in college. So National Cooperative Bank is producing this program, getting more people to understand what co-ops are and how they work. And the research says that once people understand co-ops, they prefer doing business with co-ops because of the values of co-ops and the principles of co-ops. So let's go back to this vote.coop, www.vote.coop. 
So you you got it started. So how did how does this work? How does somebody get involved? And do you just want the rural electric co-ops to to get involved, or anybody else? So we did design it as it's a program of America's electric cooperatives. So certainly um, it is designed for the NRECA membership. However, we do extend it to um, other cooperatives, Um, frankly, anybody who wants to come to the site and and sign up and get information about voting. We we welcome anyone to come and learn more at the site. So when you go on the site, what do you get? So... When you go to www.vote.coop, it's meant to be the one-stop voting information shop. And if you go on there and you go to voter information, you're going to get an interactive map. And on that interactive map, you can click on your home state, whether it's Virginia or Maryland. Um, you can also click in the D.C. there if, um, if you're a resident of D.C. And it's going to provide you the information about key election dates, upcoming dates, so anything from you know, as you mentioned earlier, Vernon, registering to vote to make sure you know um, where to go to find out if you're registered to vote. But also it's going to have upcoming dates. So throughout the primaries, of course, we were highlighting the primaries. Um, now we've mainly passed most of the primaries on the – well, certainly on the presidential side and also on the on the congressional side. We still have some runoffs coming up. But for the most part, we're past the, the primary season. So now we're looking at dates like absentee ballots, um, when they are available, dates like um, early voting, which is – becoming more and more popular in a lot of our states. So all that information is going to be right there on the website for you. Okay, so anybody, you can go online and register to vote. Well, not necessarily register to vote, but you can go online and find out information um, where you can go to register to vote, how you can register to vote, what uh, voter registration deadlines there are simply by entering some of your information. We do not provide actual voter registration um, capabilities right from the site, but we do give the information so that people can be informed on how to register to vote. Okay, so I know when I did it and I found out I was already registered, so it told me whether I was registered or not. But if I wasn't registered, then I guess it would tell me where I would go to register, what I'd have to do. That's correct. It would take you either to an online registration system. Some states do have online registration, some don't, and they would provide you with um, what next steps you would need to take to register. Okay. So I'm registered. Then I can go look at who is running in that state and get information about each of the candidates. Yes. Now, do you have on there anything that says where they could go meet the candidates? Or what's upcoming? So it, it does link to candidates' websites, so that's where you would find that information. So it, um, whether it's at the presidential level or at the state level, there's links out to the individual candidates' websites, so then you can find out from the individual candidates um, when they're going to be in your community or in your state. Um, but one of the things that um, that we've encouraged our member cooperatives to, to do and as they launch their own co-ops vote programs is to host their own meet and greets um, with candidates. And Laura talked a little bit earlier about um, what our cooperatives have done in Kansas where they hosted over 20 meet and greets with their state candidates across the state of Kansas and brought them to the cooperative or somewhere um, near the cooperative so that their members and the employees of those cooperatives could engage with the candidates. How successful were those? I mean, they were quite successful. We had 
two employees of the Kansas Association that drove over 3,500 miles around Kansas to help host these events. They ended up having connections with 212 candidates and had over 850 members attend and be able to meet and greet with those those potential elected officials and ask them questions. And some of them went way longer. You know, they were planned to be an hour. Some of them went an hour and a half. Some went two hours. And they were providing a service to their membership in in giving them the opportunity to talk to their candidates. And they provided a really good blueprint for other states and other cities and counties to, to do a similar program if they want. So you talk about Kansas, but do you see that happening throughout other states? Absolutely. So one of the cool things about co-ops vote is that our our states are doing things the way that best suits their needs and even down onto the co-op level. And you mentioned voter registration earlier. We have a co-op in Florida and a co-op in South Dakota actually went so far as to um, get certified as voter registration locations so that when their members would come in to either pay a bill or sign on for new service, they would be asked if they also wanted to register to vote. And, um, I mean, that's a really great community service. And going back to the concern for community, principle number seven, you know, especially in South Dakota, West River Electric provided a service for their community where some folks would have to drive more than 100 miles to register to vote. And now all they need to do is go to to one of uh, four locations of West River Electric and register to vote. So we really leave it up to the states and to the individual co-ops to do what they think will work best within their communities. That's fantastic. Okay, and you got the seventh principle in there, concern for community. And the sixth principle is cooperation among co-ops. So do you have this working with other cooperatives like housing or credit unions, which I would imagine credit unions have more than 42 million people that belong to different credit unions. Yeah, so one of the things that we have been working on is also partnering with other groups to promote the co-ops vote program. And so we did establish a partnership with the National Cooperative Business Association, or NCBA, um, who have been very instrumental in in getting the word out there as well on co-ops vote. And NCBA serves a number of variety of cooperatives. And so it's been a great way to get our message out to those other groups out there, such as the housing and food co-ops and and, um, credit unions. Okay, that's the sixth and seventh principle. We talked about the second one and the fifth one. Volunteer and open membership is the first principle uh, that co-ops are open to anybody. And that was the first thing that I liked about it, being African-American. I like it when it doesn't make any difference what race you are or what gender or where you are politically, religiously, or financially. You can still become a member of credit unions or National Rural Electric or housing co-ops, if it's a real co-op that's abiding by these principles. So I guess for the 840 rural electrics, it's open to anybody, everybody. Yes, and certainly that first cooperative principle of voluntary and open membership is alive and well in electric cooperatives. Of course, the electric utility business is regulated individually by each state, so where electric cooperatives um, are able to have a presence and do businesses regulated individually by each state. And we've talked about the second principle, democratic member control, one member, one vote. Member economic participation, though the members 
have to put some money in to join, and then do they get dividends back if there's uh, the 840 different businesses? So uh, many of our cooperatives do have a program called capital credits um, that would work as a, as a dividend program. But again, I go back to each state has their own way of regulating the cooperative, so some, some are limited um, by what the state regulations allow. And the fourth principle, thank you, uh, the fourth principle is autonomy and independence, that each of the 840 businesses have to be able to make their decisions and not have the government telling them what to do, except for laws, like you said, and, and the distribution, but they, and fair housing and stuff like that are fair. So, you know, we're getting ready to take our next break. This is the third break. We only have one more segment. It goes by real quick when you're having fun, and I'm a, Thank you, guys. And one of the questions I want to get out before we end up is, do you like what you're doing? We'll be right back. Fourteen fifty WOL. Welcome back again. This is Vernon Oaks, Everything Cooperative. And if you have a question or a comment, you can call in at one eight hundred four five zero seven eight seven six. 1-800-450-7876. We only have one more segment to go. We're talking to Gabe Snow and Laura Vogel from the National Rural Electric Cooperative about co-ops vote. And, uh, you know, what kind of success have you had? What, what have you seen as a result of this? And when did you launch it? So we launched this program at, at our annual meeting in February of this year, so a little bit earlier this year. And that's when we officially launched it to all of our member cooperatives who come together for that meeting. This year we were down in New Orleans. and I love New Orleans. I wish you'd invited me. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Good. Well, next year, we're, next year we're in San Diego. So I love San Diego, come too. Join us. Okay. You launched it in, in New Orleans in February. And what kind of successes have you had? Well, I think the successes are in um, the stories that we've been able to tell. Um, the things that we've shared with you today, like what Kansas is doing with the Coochie River in Florida and their voter registration project, West River Electric and their voter registration project. But it, it, it even goes down to other states or around the country that are taking the tools that we've provided them and turned them into things that they can use that best work with their membership. And so we see that as a success because the, the message is starting to get out there. And, you know, we can't discount enough that if a co-op wants to take the materials that we've made available and um, turn that into something that they can engage with their membership, that's a success. Yeah, and so we've put together a lot of tools and resources um, that are available to our member cooperatives to help them launch their own program. And one of the things we're seeing out there is we're seeing significant uptick in the folks asking for the resources that we have available. So we've got a website that our members can go to. They can order the materials for their own events. And we've see, certainly seen a big uptake on, on that. And we're very excited about the fact that we, we're really seeing our membership take this program, launch it in their communities, talk to their membership about it. They're putting articles in their local newsletters. They're putting op-eds in their local papers to talk talk about the importance of voting. Uh, most of our states have publications, um, a, a statewide magazine that reaches all the membership of, of the electric cooperatives in there, and they're talking about it in the magazine. So we're seeing a lot of uptake through our resources that we've made available to our member cooperatives. Now, Gabe, when you say order materials, what kind of materials do you have? 
We've got everything. We have everything from bumper stickers to buttons to pens, T-shirts, you name it, we've got it. But what we also have is on our member website, we've made all the materials available to them that they can brand with their own logos and, and so forth so that they can really take it down to the local level where people will recognize those logos, perhaps on a bumper sticker on the back of a car and, and things like that. I haven't seen any bumper stickers. I might have to get one and put it on my car. <laughs> okay. well, I, I brought you one. Did you? Absolutely. Okay. All right. I'll put it on. So one of the things that I want to get out there for a minute is we are on social media. So you can follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash vote. You can also join our conversation at hashtag vote on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And we are, can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at vote. Give me the Facebook one. It, it's facebook.com slash vote. Okay. And co-op vote is one word. There's no dot or anything. In That's correct. Okay. You know, you guys, um, the question that I want to get to is, personally, do you like what you're doing? Gabe? I'm absolutely passionate about what we're doing, not just this co-op vote program, which is certainly something that I'm excited about and have spent the last several months really um, engaging in and putting putting a lot of my energy into it, but just in general, what uh, what we do for the National Rural Electric Cooperative in Association in uh, helping our members get their voices heard, whether it be at the local level uh, with their with their county commissioners, at the state level with their um, state elected officials, and at the national level here in Washington D.C. area, but really helping them tell their story so that the elected officials, the decision makers out there. Uh, are aware of what the electric cooperatives are doing and and the importance of the electric cooperatives in the communities. Laura, I mean, I'm I can't say enough of how lucky I am that I. I wish everybody could see the smile on her face as she's talking. <laughs> Go ahead. Laura. Um, you know, how, that I found a job that I can um, marry what I love to do with working with people who love what they do. Um, and also being with our members. Our members are wonderful people. They're fantastic. Um, everywhere I go around the country, I get a chance to meet with them and learn more about what makes them tick. And then also being able to educate them on on why it's important to be involved politically. Uh, you know, when we started the Co-ops Vote program, I told my boss, you know, voting is my jam. I love the idea of voting. Ever since I was 18, I couldn't wait to, to go to the polls. And I, I have that passion, and I want to share that with other people and, and make sure that they have a similar passion um, for being involved politically. And Voting is your jam? My jam. Jam? Yeah. I like, love it. Like I love voting. Jam like bread, jam that kind of jam. Yeah, like or, it's my jam. Or dancing jam. Yeah, I love I love voting. Dancing jam. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dance? I'm a nerd. What can I say? No, dancing is great. Dancing, your jam. Okay, voting is the dance. Yeah, I can see that. It is. It's it's a it's a dance. I mean, I guess I mean even political candidates would tell you it's it's a dance. I'm trying to figure out how to. How to move and and parry and and figure out the best way to get elected to the office that you're running for. It's a dance. And the best way to serve people. Yeah. This fits the co-op values of ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for one another. So that 
it really, really fits. And that's the reason I like doing this show and talking to people about co-ops because of that value. Love to see people having their voice heard and getting the things that they need for their lives. And it's also, we just don't think about electricity that without electricity, people couldn't study, particularly in wintertime, it gets dark at 5.30 or 6. How can kids study if you don't have electricity? Abraham, was it Abraham Lincoln had a candle he studied by? That's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. Electricity is a necessity these days. And you know, nobody growing up today is familiar with their grandparents and great-grandparents and the struggles that they had without electricity. And that's kind of where the electric cooperative movement is rooted deeply in that history and of bringing the electricity to the areas that were underserved or not served at all by the uh, existing utilities at the time. And that is what I've heard a lot on here. The existing utilities would not provide it in rural, and that's because they were capitalistic-based businesses, which is nothing wrong with, except that when you look at the capitalistic base, if they cannot get a return on their investment that's large enough, then they won't go and do it. And that's stringing all of these 75% of land, stringing all of that with poles and wires took a lot of capital. And if they had put it in and you only had five people in that area to buy, like you can't get a return on it. So they didn't do it. So there was a need. And that's what I've also found out about in this program is to solve a community need four or five people come together and create a co-op and they provide that need. And that cooperative spirit is still alive today in the communities where our electric cooperatives serve. And you can see that you know they provide a service of providing electric um, service to their members, but they, they do much more. I mean, they are the leaders in the communities that they serve. They are the uh, a lot of times the economic engine there, so they're not just providing jobs, but they're recruiting industry to come in to the communities. Um, they they do a lot of economic development and really focus on that quality of life for mm-hmm. the communities that they serve. Fantastic. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that electric co-ops also employ over 70,000 people in the United States. 70,000. 70,000. Okay, so they provide jobs. They get electricity that people need for heating and cooking and lights. And when you talk about this member economic participation, when they make money, they can, the members can decide to put that money back in the community to do different projects. They could put it back in the business to provide more lines or more generation of electricity, or they can say, how can we get more business into our community? So they have more jobs than the 70,000. That's fantastic. And that's why you like doing what you do. It helps people. Mm-hmm. You want to add anything else? We have another minute to go. I would just say come visit us at www.vote.coop. Again, uh, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash coopsvote. Join the conversation at hashtag coopsvote and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at coopsvote. Nora? Keep watching what we're doing because this isn't going to end on November 9th. We are going to continue this program as a as a service to our membership going forward. And I would really, coming up to the National Association of Housing Co-ops, like to see if we can get the housing co-ops involved, get their membership involved, and the credit unions with this sixth principle of cooperation among co-ops. You know, thank you guys for coming up here today, for taking the time to share this information. I really enjoy it. Love what you're doing. Well, thank you for the opportunity. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much.
Beautiful smiles up here this morning. Thank you, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks on Everything.coop. This beautiful Thursday morning. We hope to see you next Thursday. And until then, have a cooperative week. Fourteen fifty W O L.